reading tonight is from Matthew 24, 36 through 44. But concerning the day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one left. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming... He would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. This is the word of the Lord. I am often taken aback by the the gospel readings for the first Sunday of Advent. I, I tend to forget every year where Advent begins the culture gets us all ready with the, the red Starbucks cups and uh, all the colors and tinsel. And, and uh, I find myself looking forward all fall to kind of a, a warm and cheery and cozy and comfortable Christmas card, Norman Rockwell time uh, around Advent. And hopefully some of that will happen. But the, the gospel readings for the first Sunday don't allow us to go there very quickly. Uh, As a matter of fact, they don't allow us to go there yet at all because instead of drawing attention to the first coming of Christ, to Christmas, to the beauty of the baby being born and all those wonderful scriptures about the the shepherds and the stars and, and all of that, these texts draw us to the second coming of the Lord, the coming of the Lord in judgment. Uh, This gospel reading is part of a a large sermon that Jesus gave that runs from Matthew 24 all the way through the end of Matthew 25 that he gave to the disciples uh, sitting on the Mount of Olives a few days before his crucifixion when they'd ask him to talk to them about the end of the world, what it would look like, what they should be looking for. And he essentially gives a number of signs about the end of the world, and then says, I'm coming back, and I'm coming back to judge the world. Uh, Matthew 25, we won't look at it tonight, but 31 to the end of the chapter is all about this great judgment. So this is a text about Christ returning to judge the world. Jesus had promised that already to the disciples. John 14, 13, he said, I will come again. I'm going to take you to myself. All the New Testament writers uh, refer to this. Paul says to the Thessalonians, the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry. John writes in his first letter, when he appears, we'll be like him. In the book of Revelation, Jesus says, surely I'm coming soon. So this was an idea that uh, was not a, a minor theme in the New Testament. Some would say it was one of the things the Lord talked about the most that he will return in judgment. Now, 
one of the things that will be challenging for us tonight as we look at this theme is that the first Sunday of Advent is also about hope. And so one of the questions that we need to wrestle with tonight is how is this word, which is a stern word, and if, if you have time this week to read 24 and 25 in the Gospel of Matthew, how does a word that ends with, and these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life, that's the end of the sermon, how does that bring us hope? In what sense does this teaching about the judgment of the Lord bring us hope? Well, the first thing that the disciples want to know is, when is this going to happen? And our Lord says in verse 36, Concerning the day and the hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. So we don't know when it's going to happen. And so the next question, and by the way, I think the disciples actually thought it was going to happen like within a couple days. I mean, they were thinking it was all about ready to come down. And so the next question that they want to ask is, if, well, if we don't know when it's happening, if we don't know when you're really going to be established as king and lord, and they took that very seriously, well, how are we supposed to live while we're waiting? If you're not going to tell us when, how are we supposed to live while we await you coming back and being established as the king and judge of the universe. Well, Jesus tells three stories as a way of answering that question. The first one, verses 37 to 39, we just read. Jesus says, okay, it's going to be something like this. When I come back, it will be similar to the way the flood came during the days of Noah. And what's going to happen is, the people in the world will be acting just like they did. They'll be eating and drinking and marrying and going about their lives, and they will not understand that a flood of God's judgment is about to come upon them. And he ends and he says, So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Now, he doesn't list a bunch of sins that the people are committing in Noah's day. He just lists a bunch of normal activities, busy life activities, raising families, going to work, cooking meals, cleaning up after meals. And he says, these people got so absorbed in the daily activity of life that they missed what God was doing. They missed the coming judgment of God. He says, don't do that. Don't be like that. And maybe that's a warning even as we get into the Christmas season. It's so easy to become so focused on just getting through life, especially this time of year, that we can entirely miss anything God is up to in our lives during this season. We can entirely overlook the movement of God in our life. We could entirely be ignorant of any way God is crashing into our world because we're so consumed with finals or uh, the budget or cooking or illness or something like that. Jesus says, don't do that. Don't be like that. Be ready. And then he tells a second story. And it stresses the same unexpected nature of the Lord's return. Verse 40, Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken, one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken, one will be left. 
Therefore, stay awake. You don't know on what day your Lord is coming. And it's a similar story. Christ is coming into the world, and he is going to come unexpectedly. The people are at work. Two guys are farming. Two ladies are at the mill. They don't know what's going on above them. And all of a sudden, uh, one is swept up, and the other is left there. And there's two ideas in that. One is unexpectedness, and the other is judgment. Because Jesus takes one to be in his fellowship and leaves the other behind. And so Jesus says, stay awake, or it can be translated, be on the alert. In the present tense, it's referring to an ongoing action. It's it's, it's referring to a way of being in the world where you are constantly aware that Christ could come at any moment and end it. Bring an end to the world. Bring judgment. Stay awake, he's saying, to the fact that Christ will one day judge the world. Stay awake to the fact that only those who belong to Christ through faith will be spared that judgment. Stay awake to the eternal consequences of our actions. Stay awake to the battle waging for our souls. Stay awake to opportunities to share the gospel with others. Stay awake because Christ will return for judgment. Now he tells a third story in verse 43. But know this, if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would have not let his house be broken into. Therefore you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you don't expect. The Lord will come like a thief in the night. Be looking for him. Be ready. Be vigilant. Be prepared. Be awake. Be on the lookout. Realize that Christ could crash into your life at any day, and bring all of history to an end and bring judgment. As Martin Luther put it, we should live as if Jesus had died this morning, risen this afternoon, and was coming again this evening. So this is what the church has asked us to reflect on on the first Sunday of the year. It's not a real Christmassy message. There's not a lot of carols about the great judgment, as far as I know. Um, Not a lot of paintings. Well, there are a few paintings, but they're not very comforting. So Jesus, who comes to earth as a child, the church wants to remind us, comes again in judgment. And before we're ready to think about the first coming, the church teaches us we need to think about the second coming. And so a few hard questions are in order, and then we're going to return to this theme of hope. Are you ready to meet the Lord? Now, we don't know when the Lord's going to return. We do know that we all will die, and so we will either meet the Lord when he returns, or we will meet him when we die, but we will meet him. There will be a judgment. That's part of the Christmas story. The baby didn't just come to give Hallmark something to write about. The baby came to save the world from the judgment of the Father. 
which means there is a judgment. So, the first question this first Advent reading asks of us is, are you ready to meet the Lord? The way that we are ready is not by trying harder, not by attending church more this year, but by acknowledging that we are sinful, that our hearts are curved in on themselves, that we have merit God's punishment, that God has paid the penalty for us and made it possible for us to live with him in eternity. So the way that we are made ready is through faith and the saving work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And so this first night of the year, let me ask you, are you ready? Now, the scriptures also teach that believers are to go through a judgment as well. Not a judgment regarding salvation. Jesus says in John 5, He who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He doesn't come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. So what kind of judgment do you experience if you have put your faith in Christ? The Bible has a few passages that explain it. One uh, in the letter of the Corinthians says that when the Lord comes, he'll, quote, bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of your heart. And then there's another passage in 1 Corinthians, verse 3, where Paul says, We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that we may receive what is due him for the things while done in the body, whether good or bad. Well, so if this is not a judgment based on works determining whether or not we go to heaven, which it cannot be because we're already spared condemnation through the cross, what kind of judgment does a believer experience? It has something to do uh, with this language of reward. And the Bible doesn't fully spell out what kind of reward there will be in heaven. But at the very minimum, we know this, that there is a day when all of us are held accountable for our actions. There is a day when all of us are evaluated. And while for believers that has nothing to do with whether or not we spend eternity with Christ, there is some reward connected to this, which means perhaps that there is some capacity with which we can love the Lord that will be greater or lesser depending upon the choices we make now. I don't like that, you might be saying. I don't like it either. At least when I first think about it, I don't like to be evaluated. I wish the world worked more like the soccer teams my children played on when they were little, where everybody got a trophy, whether they played or not. And everything was equal, and there was nothing like that. But the Bible does not say that. The Bible says that we are held accountable for how we live our lives, even as believers. So the second question Advent asks us is, are you, as a believer, prepared to meet the Lord? Now, I know we're not perfect. I know we all sin. I know there's grace. I know all of that. But what I'm asking you is that if you met the Lord tonight, is the trajectory of your life, is the movement of your life, is the direction of your life in such a way 
that the Lord would be pleased? Are you turned towards the Lord in your life? Of course you're a mess. Of course there's sins. Of course there's problems. Of course you're struggling. But if the Lord returned tonight and talked to you about your life, would he be pleased with the direction of your life? Or would there be things that you're hiding Things that you're embarrassed by. Things that you don't want anyone to know. Things that you're going to get right someday, but you've got a lot of years left, and eventually you'll work on it. Are you ready to meet the Lord tonight? That's the first question of the first week of Advent. Now, I want to end with this. Where is there hope in this? <laughs> why, why has the church considered this teaching about the second coming of Christ to be the, the scripture that we think about on the first Sunday of Advent, which is the, the Sunday of hope? Where is there good news in, in this? Well, let's think of it a couple ways. First of all, The truth that Christ will return to judge the world and make all things right is very comforting to people who have experienced injustice. If you are in the world and the world has not treated you fairly and you've often wondered, why do people always follow me in the shopping center because I'm black? If you've wondered why it was you had an alcoholic father, if you've wondered why it was you hit a glass ceiling at your job for no fault of your own, and if you've grieved in any sense the gross injustices that are all over our planet, then the the truth that Christ is going to return in judgment is comforting. It's good news. It means that one day there will be justice. I think secondly, for everyone who aches and groans in this fallen world, the idea that history has an end, that there will be a time when Christ will call it, when the game will be over, when the, the settle, everything will be settled, when the world will be brought new, when all accounts will be completed, brings us hope. It means that This broken, painful, sorrowful, wonderful, beautiful, tragic, glorious world will not go on forever. And there will be a day when we know true freedom. And lastly, let's not forget this. A warning can be an expression of hopeful love. It is not always cruel or mean to bring a warning about possible dangers ahead. And that really is what the Lord is doing in this this very difficult sermon, Matthew 24 to Matthew 25. He is coming from God and saying, let me give you a warning about what will happen to you if you do not order your life around me. 
Let me tell you where this could go. That's not mean. That's not cruel. That is loving. Just as a doctor who sits down with you and says, look, if you don't lose 30 pounds and start eating better, you're going to have diabetes and and a heart problem. So Jesus comes and says, you're all accountable. There is a judge. Everything you do will be taken into account by that judge. There's someone watching. It's the way things are set up. And if you come to me in faith and humility and mercy, that judgment will somehow be tender and and gentle as you come into my presence and we celebrate life together for eternity. If you do not come to me under my blood and in my work, you'll be separate from me forever. I'm warning you. I think that's love. The Apostles' Creed says, He shall come again to judge the quick and the dead. That's the message of the first Sunday of Advent. Are you ready? Let's pray.